0: You are listening to Legacy Moments, where we have authentic conversations about life, business, and so much more to bring about transformation that goes beyond change. I am your host, Dr. Patrice Berry, and I am joined by my co-host and mom, Johnny Lloyd. Together, we combine my years of psychological training and her years of business and life experience to add value to your day. Let's dive right into today's topic, toxic positivity.
1: Wow. You know, the interesting thing about this subject, Patrice, is that last week when we talked about PMA, positive mental attitude, and you know, I'm always positive. I get up happy, you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? And so I'm just happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh, I'm known for being effervescent, you know, all of that stuff. And then when when you said it, I said toxic positivity. And I said, and then we talked a little bit, not much because you said no. And so I'm excited to find out more. And of course, because of who I am, I looked up some things because I wanted to be able to make sure that my experience and all the things I've done, I understood the breath, some of the breadth of this. So from your perspective, what is toxic positivity? Help me. <laughs> I got a definition that I will
0: link on the YouTube channel from verywellmind.com, and they define toxic positivity as the belief that no matter how dire or difficult a situation is, people should maintain a positive mindset. It's a good vibes only approach to life. And that this process of toxic positivity can result in denial, minimalization, or invalidation of the authentic human emotional
1: experience so what do you think well, about that you know what i think about it now i think is hogwash <laughs> i didn't think that before i thought t- i mean i thought positivity you know like attract like and you know all of that wonderfulness and just high road to, to heaven almost and now i see the issue because when I don't allow myself to feel the current, to be in the now, to be in the now, to be present in the now, then I end up painting over, potentially painting over some pain and some emotions and all that, right? So one of the things I, I thought about, I said, and I thought about a person I'm going to go back and, and deal with. And I said, you know, they've been sad. They lost somebody that they absolutely, their life circled around them. So every time we talk, I'm like, oh, okay, da, 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 And I, I want to move on. And now I see that I just need to say, I understand. I hear you. I just need to let them know that their feelings matter. And I didn't know that. And I'm still probably not doing it the right way because I see your face. <laughs> There's some more dynamics to it. So help us help one another, especially during this time, because we have all this stuff going on. And and I think toxic positivity, this happy, happy, joy, joy is not, is not healthy. I mean, it's not at all healthy right now, especially uh, because there is so many things happening. So I do want to point out that people have
0: good intentions and the goal is to help people feel better. So for about the last 10 years, there's been a lot of research on positive thinking and positive thinking is good, but we've kind of put it at extremes where it's negative thinking and positive thinking when really the human experience is probably somewhere in the middle. And overall, and we'll get to more of this a little bit later, because I want to talk about some signs of it and a few other things that can go along with it. But the ultimate goal is going to be to acknowledge the person's experience and then when they are ready for the positive. So for me, toxic positivity is saying somebody comes to you and says they just had this major loss and somebody says, well, they're in a better place or somebody says something to try to make the person feel better, but you haven't really heard their pain first and you haven't sat with them in that. And instead to maybe say, I don't even have words. How is that for you? And really trying putting in effort to really truly understand because I don't wanna say I understand if I haven't given the person the chance To really say how they're feeling and what's going on and this isn't therapy and so this isn't like we're not saying to go and become the therapist for for your friends what it is is it's giving people a space to be authentic where because there are some circles where they say hey if you're going to be negative don't come around me and i think there's a difference between somebody that just Every day is a horrible day and they're just kind of an Eeyore, like from Winnie the Pooh, every day is just horrible and everything is always bad and they really have difficulty seeing any positive and maybe they are in therapy, maybe they are working on that. I think that is different than if somebody comes to you and they lost their job and we try to immediately help them feel better without mm-hmm. sitting with them in the difficult situation that they are currently in and in therapy we do call it holding space that we help hold space within that negative that I'm going to sit here with you in that and that that can be extremely healing and it lets the person feel seen because I think sometimes people can try to come around and they can try to put on a face because to me it can feel like a mask and it
1: can feel very inauthentic right right What I look at is uh, being the person, Yeah, I do self-development. I do transformational development, right? So transforming is like going through a metamorphosis, right? And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I need to be a little bit more conscious when I tell people to become self-aware and then look at them, and I'm not a psychologist or anything, but to look at them and say, "Hey, y'all may feel something, and you may need to get some additional help outside of here, and it's okay." You see what I'm saying? Because for me, I got help. I mean, I went and got help, and we will check our, we'll check our cars, we'll we'll uh, do maintenance on our ho- on our homes, we'll do maintenance on all of those things, but we will not do maintenance on our brain. Hello. There's an issue with that. Now, I was raised not to do maintenance on my brain. I mean, not just my parents. I'm talking about my faith. You know, I didn't need. I needed. I had Jesus. I had it all. You know, that kind of thing. So I was trained like that. So there are some some major things that happened in my life that were still bringing up when I was being triggered. And I want to say that word triggered. It would bring up automatic negative thoughts. Ants is what I call them. Automatic negative thoughts. So. I would try to fight against that thought. And then once I found out that it was what I was thinking wasn't true, when I went and had myself checked, when you go get my checkup with the, with the people who specialize in that area, I you went know, to a, a doctor to, you know, for my head and they specialize in that area. It's like, oh, no, 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 you're fine. Da, 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 you're not feeling that. And this is where you're at. And da, da, da. it made me feel better. And what it attacked for me is it got rid of some of the automatic negative thoughts. It also helped me realize that even now, I don't have to be positive all the time. I can just be authentically me. And and it's being authentically me means being true to who I am in the moment. So help me with that.
0: The thing that I wanna add, because what you're talking about is going to therapy and how often within the church, within the black community, within, lots of different areas of our life, people have thought mm-hmm. that going to therapy was weak, that going to therapy was a negative thing when I see it as a strength. Therapy was one of the best things I ever did. My first therapist wasn't the right fit. My second therapist, and there were years in between the two of them because I didn't realize that, oh, the first person, it wasn't, it wasn't that therapy didn't work for me. It was that that person wasn't the right fit for me. And then I found the right person and it ended up being great. And so, but what you're talking about with negative thoughts, that is different than a person who is grieving, than a person who is actively going through something. Because I do think we have to look for the good in things, but I think we have to acknowledge the bad too. So looking for the good doesn't dismiss
1: the negative things. Right. Okay. So let's talk about sadness. Sadness. Yeah, going down the spe- spectrum that like things like sadness was a bad, you know what I'm saying? It was a bad emotion. So help me, are there good or bad emotions?
0: There is no such thing as a good or bad emotions. Emotions are just feelings. And that's something that I really learned as a therapist. That's not how I grew up feeling. I thought anger was a bad feeling, but there's a difference between feelings and behaviors. And so it's not right if I'm angry to hit somebody, but the hitting is the behavior, the anger is the emotion. And there are healthy ways to express anger. There are healthy ways to cope with and manage sadness or anxiety and giving people permission to feel because then they're not feeling shame. And so that's one of the signs, that's one of the things that makes toxic positivity so toxic is that people often feel shame for normal human emotions and so somebody may be feeling Mm. shame just because they are feeling maybe it's a year two years four years after a loss and they're still coping with it they're still managing it and they may feel bad about that when if we could normalize that it's okay to still feel a certain way about it. Now you do need some help if you can't get out of bed, if the loss is so bad that you, if it's starting to impair your functioning, that's when you definitely want to talk to somebody, but sadness and Mm -hmm. depression aren't the same thing. So sadness comes and goes. Everybody feels sad sometimes. And the way that I like to explain it to my clients is it would be odd if somebody came and push me down on the floor and I was happy about that. And I was just like, oh, be, <laughs> but they push me down. Oh, be be positive. That would be very strange. That would be odd. It would be normal for me to be angry about that. And because I'm angry about it doesn't mean I have to stand up and hit either that that doesn't mean that I have to act in a way that's outside of my character. And at the same time. And so that's what we talked about those dialectical behavior therapy skills. And within DBT, they talk about a dialectic that you can be happy and sad. That often happens. Emotions are complex. We're often, so if I get a new job, I might be excited and a little sad. I could be excited that yay, this is a new opportunity. And then I can be sad that I'm to be leaving some co-workers that i enjoy or so we're not these black or white things like there's a ton of gray and learning to walk the middle path learning to walk in the midst of everything in the midst of how you feel but being able to do it in an authentic way that validates your experience and then because once i've i've listened to somebody that's when you can then ask would you like some support? Would you like? Because I think then it gives mm-hmm. the person the opportunity to be like, oh, you know, I just need to vent, okay. And then they go on their way, I go on mine. Versus if somebody shares this really, you know, this thing that they're struggling with, and then for me to just say, oh, be happy, and they're like, wait a minute, I just wanted some support. So they might not perceive that as support. And once again, I feel like it is unintentional. I don't think those are things that people do on purpose.
1: I do not either. I mean, I can speak for me. I know I don't. However, I think, like you said earlier, we went to this to this wonderful positivity thing. It's almost like we were like a pendulum. Everybody was over here and then we swung all the way to the other side. And now everything is positive, positive, positive. And life is not like that. You know, even in, it's not black or white. It is a lot of gray. And life has a lot of grace. So I think giving us or giving this kind of information out, I know it's helping me and I believe it's going to help all the listeners as well, because it's not about us being stuck in being right or wrong. It's not about us being stuck and all of us have to be happy, happy, happy or negative, negative, negative. And I'm going to go back to the example you gave. Let's say somebody pushed you down or you fell and you broke your arm. Somebody helps you up and say, oh, no, no, no. We're not going to take you to the doctor. We're not going to get you no help. We're just going to be positive and we're going to walk away. (laughs) You would say, oh, no. That's the thing. When you find yourself down and you feel like you need help, what
0: should they do? So I want to go back to something that you said, because we often look at physical pain very different than emotional. And if somebody breaks their leg and goes to the medical doctor, people normally don't say, why would you go to the doctor? But if somebody says that they're going to therapy or that they take medication for depression or anxiety, normally there is some judgment that can sometimes come with that. But I want to go back to some signs of toxic positivity, brushing off problems rather than facing them. Feeling guilty about being sad, angry, or disappointed. Hiding your true feelings behind feel-good quotes that seem more socially acceptable. Hiding or disguising how you really feel. Minimizing other people's feelings because they make you uncomfortable. Shaming other people when they don't have a positive attitude. And trying to be a stoic or... Telling people to get over painful emotions. Those are some, some signs. And some things to say instead is, I'm listening. I'm here no matter what. That must really be hard. Sometimes bad things happen. How can I help? Failure is sometimes a part of life. Your feelings are valid. So what do you think of that?
1: Now, let me ask you something. Is is the shaming connected? I'm looking from my side. Is, is, is when somebody's shaming you for it, is it because I need you to move because you're making me uncomfortable? Or is it, you know, is there a reason on my side? Is that my issue? You know, like, oh, oh, I, I don't want to deal with it. So I just need to move on and act like you just say that. So, and I think from a very real example
0: in my own life, when there was a major tragedy, the family came to me and asked, how can we help them? How can we help in this difficult time? And the thing I said was right now, we just need to cry. We just need to let it out because when you're down, people want you to get up. And Brene Brown has an amazing video on empathy. And she describes that empathy (sighs) isn't somebody is down in a pit and you're up top saying, oh, it looks dark down there. You should come on out. And, And it's not trying to get them out. You first have to get down in the pit with them and sit in it with them and kind of remember a time that you felt that way too. And that loss. So it helped me understand grief in a different way. I had had some other losses, but none had ever been this significant. And it really Mm -hmm. did. When I'm working with somebody with grief, I am now able in a new way, I'm able to tap into something in me. And that's why I get sometimes why people want a therapist that is very similar to them. And therapists can't, because they're not going to tell you everything they've been through. But sometimes there are some questions that are important to somebody. Like right now, sometimes people might be asked, what are your political beliefs? Like those might be some questions that might be really important to me as I'm looking for a therapist. And so being able to sit with somebody, because it is very uncomfortable. So we live in this microwave society where we just want everything fast. and. <laughs> grief, loss, these difficult, these heavy things, they don't go away overnight
1: and we often have to sit with people in it, if that makes sense. Gave me an excellent example with Brene, right? And you know, I love Brene Brown. So, okay. So when you go sit with a person in the situation, we're there to do what? to just comfort. You mentioned a little bit, but can you go a little bit deeper about what we need to do while we're there with them? I think it's important that you're aware of your own
0: emotions as you're supporting somebody else. When I am live on TikTok, people will sometimes come in and say they're having a bad day. And something that I do is I go... (sighs) and people will sometimes take that breath with me and say, thank you. And just sitting there and just, and sometimes I say, I'm just, I, I heard you, I see you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And no. it's not, and I don't say, you know, I hope this makes you feel better. Like, oh, I hope you feel better by the time you leave. I do. <laughs> I do hope that happens. But if it doesn't, because the thing about when your pain is seen, that's what actually helps it
1: feel mm. better.
0: Because somebody telling me, oh, feel better. It's like telling you know a child to calm down. Like children, they normally, when you tell a child to calm down, that, that normally doesn't work. <laughs> you normally have to tell them, take a breath, breathe. You normally have to get in there with them. And I think that happens within our relationships as well. Go there.
1: You know what, that's really interesting because I watch you when it comes to uh, Langston, right? And so I've seen you, which is teaching me so much, right? You acknowledge, then you validate. You said you're feeling, are you? You don't tell him what he's feeling. You said, are you feeling whatever it is? And then you wait for him to respond You know, I think it matters. So I really like the way you do that. Now, I'm probably missing a couple things that you do. So if you can fill in the gaps a little bit for for all of us, because I don't think it's just for him because he's young. I think it's something that I'm going to use as an example to just be more aware. I think it's all
0: about emotional intelligence. And teaching emotional Uh, intelligence starts very young. And so emotional intelligence, first, you acknowledge like you said you want to be self-aware you want to be aware of what's the emotion I'm feeling right now and as a parent I get to try to guess because if I'm really mad and somebody says are you feeling mad now for sometimes you know depending on where the person is that might make them more upset like uh, but 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 sometimes somebody seeing that can sometimes help somebody if they're not mad at that person. Like sometimes that can help them feel seen and it can mm-hmm. help that emotion kind of go down for them a little bit. And so, like right. you said, acknowledge acknowledging the emotion, validating that it's okay to feel that way. So, uh you didn't get to bring the car home that you wanted to bring home. And by the way, he does get to bring a car home today. Then, <laughs> because I can validate the emotion while still correcting any behaviors. And then we problem solve because, so there have been times when he wasn't able to bring a car home. He tried to negotiate. I had already set a boundary and we stayed true with the boundary and okay. And he was upset in the car for maybe five or 10 minutes. And then he ended up regulating himself and so that's where you then do some self-regulation now that's what you would do with a child what you do with an adult who you are not responsible for emotionally and so i think that's what people have to remember is that when a friend brings me their problem because sometimes we can get codependent or there can be this bonding that happens that's not particularly healthy where Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like I have to fix my friend's problem when that's not what they're coming to me for. Or if they are, they need to tell me that. Like, oh, can I, do you have any ideas? Do you have any suggestions? Because sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just want to be seen. Sometimes they just want to talk to their
1: friend. Okay, so I'm gonna give a marriage tip right now. (laughs) Okay, ladies. when we're talking to our significant other, our spouse, whatever, right? When, and they're in the zone, men were created to fix things, right? They want to fix it. They're typically fixers. Now there's a lot of people that do that because you may have other friends that feel the same way. So when you go to a person and all you really want to do is be heard, you might want to announce it. When you come to me and da, 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 said, look, all I want you to do is hear me out. I don't want you to fix it or anything, babe. I just want you to hear what I'm saying right and so it triggers something for them typically so that they're saying okay I'm in the listening mode so it helps them because sometimes people are offended when you try to fix because they're not broken first of all let's say this people are not broken so I'm trying to fix people because they ain't broken so that's okay so they may have some issues but they ain't broken and you you're not the fixer you didn't create them so you can't fix them no way so anyway so they ain't broken But the, however, the other thing is, is it gives them space to recognize what they need from you. What do I need from you right now? I just want you to see me. I just want you to hear me out. So when we are conscious, more self-aware of what we're coming to this person for, what we need from them, or, you know, in a post COVID, you know, one of the things was just hold people, you know, and, and cry with them or whatever. Right. And, um, in a, in in a vaccinated mask wearing (laughs) COVID time, (laughs) you might still need to, you know, do, so just be careful, be, be aware of that. And, and just because everybody needs something different. Everybody needs something different and to be aware of that will help them. Because one of the things as a person, most people, do you see me? Do you hear me? And why am I here? Those are the questions we answer. And those are the big things that people want in that situation. So uh, just keep that in mind uh, as we move forward.
0: I can't wait for next week when we get into toxic positivity in the church, because I think this happens a lot within religious communities. And sometimes I think texts get misinterpreted or kind of twisted in a way that can be invalidating to people. And to me, your religious community should be like a hospital. That should be the first place I wanna go when I'm wounded, when there's something wrong. And sometimes I know people have done that, have gone there and have had negative experiences. And so we will talk about that next time. That deserves a whole episode. I'm really (laughs) excited for us to hop over onto Clubhouse right after this and have a conversation in our Legacy Moments room where we can dive into this topic a little bit more. Just a reminder to our listeners that these episodes will be on YouTube about a week after they're posted on Anchor and any other of your podcast streaming platforms. If you have a question, you can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and also over on TikTok at Dr. Patrice Berry. And you can connect with my mom. She has all of her social media handles on her website, www.johnnyloyd.com. That's J-O-H-N-N-I-E-L-L-O-Y-D.com. Make sure to subscribe and follow for additional value. We hope you have a great day.